0: was the sense that Windsor was the worst place to live if you're a woman. I want us to change the narrative to say Windsor, Essex, is the best place if you're a woman. To live, to start a business, to grow a business, uh, and to be a leader. Women are
1: 67% less likely to self-promote than men. Empower women entrepreneurs.
2: Women owned 34% of businesses in Windsor-Essex. Women have to be part of that process. They need to be part of that plan. Women were
0: underrepresented in every single area. We can ensure uh, that we can continue to move the dial.
1: found that they had imposter syndrome. Like, in terms of Wins
0: or Essex, is increasing the number of women entrepreneurs. And, that addresses the needs of women entrepreneurs at this time. Are designed to really celebrate women.
3: Welcome to Made It Happen Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hafling. Made It Happen is a podcast series highlighting young female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. I've officially teamed up with Rise Windsor-Essex to bring you stories of Windsor-Essex's very own female entrepreneurs. We're here to celebrate women in the area who have made it happen. Today, I'll be speaking with Yvonne and Kate from WeTech Alliance, Shan McGrail from Hall Tech Regional Innovation Center, and Julie Ellis, coach to executives and entrepreneurs and co-founder of Mabel's Labels. This special edition episode will be focused on the importance of mentors and advisors to founders and the power within the network. We will also be talking about the new partner program between WeTech Alliance and Hall Tech Regional Innovation Center power panels. This will be aimed to expand mentorship and strategic connection opportunities for women-owned technology and innovation companies in southwestern Ontario. I want to thank you all so much for joining me here today. And if we just want to start off, everyone give a quick introduction to yourselves. Yvonne, would you like to start off there?
4: I'll start, Sarah. It's always so great to, to be speaking with you today. Uh, my name is Yvonne Pilon. I'm the president and CEO of WeTech Alliance, one of 17 regional innovations centers with the geography of Windsor, Essex, and Chatham-Kent. Our mandate is to help tech and tech-enabled companies start, grow and succeed in Windsor, Essex, and Chatham-Kent. I'm Kate and I work with Yvonne
1: at We Tech Alliance. I'm the Women's Entrepreneurship Coordinator working on some of the programming supporting women entrepreneurs through COVID-19.
2: My name is Shan McGrail and I'm the executive director of Hall Tech, one of those other uh, 17 innovation centers that Yvonne referred to. And our area that we service is Oakville, Burlington, Milton, and Halton Hills. And very similar fashion, we focus on helping technology and innovation startup and scale up companies. Navigate that path to profitability and do that through education, advisory services, and uh, the whole realm of strategic connections that we can assist them with.
0: I'm Julie Ellis and I spent a career as a financial planner before I left that to found Mabel's Labels with three other moms. Uh, We saw a need for a product in the marketplace and we had a desire to kind of leave our corporate careers and have a little more control over our own destiny. So we began making labels in a basement in Hamilton, Ontario in 2003. And we grew the company through a bigger basement uh, and a commercial space. And in 2015, we had about 40 employees and we sold the business to Avery Labels, which is a subsidiary of CCL Industries. Uh, they are a Canadian company and we very much like that they would keep our business uh, in Hamilton with our team and it, the business is still located there. About six months after that, I left and Did some consulting for a while, uh, started doing some angel investing with Angel One in Burlington, Ontario, and began the journey towards becoming a certified coach. I worked for about 18 months running another children's product business, uh, bricks and mortar stores, out of Burlington uh, for another entrepreneur who wanted to step back for a bit. And after about 18 months there, I left to really focus on the advisory and mentoring business as well as my executive coaching business.
3: Wow. Yeah. And I'm excited to get sort of more into the advisory part, but just going back, back to Mabel's labels, you had mentioned you saw sort of that need in the marketplace for that product. You want to just tell us a little bit more about the creation of that business and sort of how it's evolved over the years?
0: Yeah, so we began with an idea that when daycares told us, please label everything, and we said, great, but how? And they said, well, you could try a masking tape and Sharpie. And we didn't particularly think that was a great solution to the problem. So we thought we could do a prettier job and a more durable job Um, and so we kind of set out on this quest to make a label that was virtually indestructible and would be super colorful and cute and had a picture icon on it so kids could identify their own belongings. And so we did a bunch of re- a lot of research and testing. Actually, it took us about a year. We were the first to market in North America with a product like this. And within about three months, somebody bought the product and seven months after that, they launched their competing business. And so, you know, since then, I mean, there's dozens of companies doing this in North America. Now, since then we launched originally with one color set and one size of label. And now kind of the sky's the limit. They have tags for backpacks and wristbands for safety identification and allergy labels and all kinds of specialty product as well as labels for shoes, clothing, things. They go through the dishwasher and the microwave. They're virtually indestructible.
3: Wow. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, it's an incredible company and I love sort of the story behind of how it, that all got started. And then also, you know, going back to Haltech, Shan, would you like to give a little bit more information on the organization and what you do there?
2: Sure. You know, we really focus on those startup right through to scale up. Innovation and technology entrepreneurs, and you know, these days that line gets pretty blurry because everybody needs to use technology. So our clients are, um, you know, primarily in the digital media and ICT space. But we work with companies who have solutions for advanced manufacturing, education technology, uh, fintech technology. We have clients who also service uh, culture and tourism kinds of requirements and applications. So we kind of have uh, clients really all over the board. And we have some who are very early stage. They've got an idea. They are coming in trying to figure out what and how to go about it. And then we've got clients who, you know, they're closing multi-million dollars of funding rounds. They're selling to customers around the globe, and they're continuing to hire. Um, So we've kind of got everybody in between. But some of the things that make us a little bit unique when you think about the technology industry, the technology industry, when it comes to female entrepreneurs, is around somewhere between 15 16%. I saw one really optimistic one that said 18%. However, when I look at our client portfolio, we just did our recent quarter number and we have 53% of our clients are female, female identified founders. So, you know, it's, it was very timely to have this invitation and opportunity to talk a little bit about female entrepreneurs because it's a lot of this is forcing me to step back and think about, well, how did we get here? because I recently was looking at some of our history. I've been with the organization two years, but I found some documents that went back to 2015. At that time, 6% of our portfolio of companies were female founders. So over five years, we've gone from 6% to 53%. So I'm in this mode of, well, we're doing something specific. Some of those things I know, you know we're doing things like looking at, the opportunities for our female founders, right? A, recognizing they have some different challenges, especially during COVID, right? So right now we're seeing a lot of our companies who they had their business, their target market was really defined. They were driving revenue, growth was in front of them, COVID hit. And, you know, and in some cases they're down to zero revenue or they're down 90% year over year. So they're trying to pivot and think about how do they apply their solution to a new market? How do they go, you know, maybe they were a business to consumer, now they're going to B2B because that makes more sense and they see their revenue target. So we're seeing a lot of those pivots and stepping back and trying to figure out, okay, how do we help them? What are we doing that really supports female founders starting their businesses and sustaining those businesses and then growing thriving businesses? And I think it's really understanding what those different challenges are you know some things are the same regardless of who you are starting your business right those are the same so we're not doing anything necessarily different or special for our female entrepreneurs we're focused on so what's different things like many different types of responsibility right women have those they're starting their business but they have daycare or elder care or all of those other things that you know their male counterparts may not be dealing with and that is a challenge for focus. It's a challenge for, you know, where and how they spend their time. So thinking about what those challenges are, and then also recognizing that there's some huge opportunity, right? And I think about some of the companies, you know, one example, we have um, a company that came through one of our programs. And, um, you know, she has a solution for female incontinence. And you think about this, it's like, it's a very specific market. And it's something that you don't necessarily hear people talk about, but it's a huge opportunity. So trying to figure out how do we make sure to capitalize on that potential and bring all these resources, whether it's advisory services from somebody who understands those markets or understands what it might be like to service a more niche market. And then really the other big piece is those strategic connections and tapping into the power of a network. And I think that's one of the things that we've been doing at Haltech is how do we grow our network? How do we do things like collaborate with WeTech to come up with ways that our female entrepreneurs, you know, get more opportunity, get more exposure and can connect to a new network that will create benefits.
3: Absolutely. I think you touched on a lot of really great points there. And you know, I also want to bring sort of Kate and Yvonne in about those pain points that you had touched upon. Shannon and sort of what have you guys been hearing at We Tech Alliance about those pain points for female founders at this time?
4: So Sarah, maybe I'll start and I'll let Kate kind of chime in. But um, um, obviously, we, we we've heard this I think throughout your podcast since COVID nineteen started. But you know the extra impact that we've seen uh, women entrepreneurs be faced uh, because of COVID, and and we really wanted to ensure that we listened and we went out to our female entrepreneurs in our community in tech and non tech, and um, we launched a new program called F five, and again. In building that, we wanted to ensure that the programs through that were delivered based on pain points. So I think four things came out, and Kate, please correct me if I'm missing one, but balance is extremely important. So we, we talked about mental health, time management, and balance. Digital transformation, as we've probably seen a lot in Main Street, there's this shift to e-commerce, selling online. Traditionally, businesses would go to trade shows and, and whatnot. Selling is different in a, in a virtual environment.
1: Marketing and selling. Um, certainly has changed since we can't do anything in person anymore. And one would be sort of navigating um, government stimulus packages and sort of the confusing things we keep hearing. Everything keeps changing so quickly. And I think it's really hard for business owners who are also dealing with, you know, effects of the pandemic itself at home. Um, perhaps they have children or elderly people living with them and trying to taking into consideration all of the restrictions and effects that, that have been put into place by government um, to keep us all safe, but it's an extra layer of cost and as well as confusion for business owners.
4: So to summarize, we have mental health, time management, and balance, digital transformation, sales, and marketing, um, as well as just navigation of all the recovery programs. As, as Shan can probably attest to, there's a lot coming down the pipeline, and sometimes it's like drinking out of a fire hose for us. So I can only imagine what it's like for female entrepreneurs. So uh, we're really there to help triage people to see, you know, who you are, what type of business you are, your pain points, and triage them into support programs um, that exist. And I think maybe a fifth thing was very much much childcare. So interesting as we built out this F5 program while well, we do these virtual meetings, because what we're seeing is women just want to connect to like-minded people. We're very isolated. In fact, on our last meetup, one of the things that came you know, really clear was just the need to see people and talk to other people. Um, And so what we did, because we couldn't necessarily pay for childcare, we actually did virtual kid sitting. So we actually brought on a female entrepreneur whose business was affected by COVID and hired them for the hour to support, you know, mom entrepreneur uh, to actually sit down on our session while the kids were being entertained in another session. So there's a small kind of, again, that network, uh, really looking at this uh, network perspective of helping the entrepreneur, but also helping the female entrepreneur whose business may have been affected through COVID.
2: If, if I can add something about and I think that's really an interesting point around the isolation. And, and Julie, i love to hear your comments too, because in our Beyond Boundaries program, which is for female founders, that's something that I see and hear quite a bit is, you know, like they, they're heads down doing their thing day in and day out, focused on their business and what a breath of fresh air they need by connecting to other women who may be having the same challenges or different challenges, but just that ability to step back And take a moment and understand you're really not alone. I don't know what you would add to that, Julie, because I think, you know, we hear that quite a bit from our gang. We do.
0: And it is where I think one of the things, one of my kind of mantras is build your network and and bring people around you and build yourself that sort of privy council. I have like this group of women that I uh, brought around me. About five years ago, who were all building businesses. We all had kids. We were in similar positions, and and having those sounding boards that I could sound off my business problems, but my life problems too, was incredibly valuable. And you know, I did a lot of um, I supervised the IT department, and we had like lots of custom built software. And so, you know, I was pretty confident and accustomed to circulating in a world that was largely filled with men. But when I what I found, I was missing was that camaraderie of leaning on other women who were experiencing the same problems as I was because it was very different.
3: Absolutely. I think there is a lot of Great points again there. And also talking, you know, pivoting in the pandemic and sort of what we can still do to support other female entrepreneurs. And Julia, you know, you also have been sort of on both sides of it as a founder, as well as an advisor. Do you want to sort of talk about these different sides and you know, how you wear these different hats for businesses
0: and um, just a bit about that? One of our enduring topics of debate at the leaders table at Mabel's Labels was why we didn't have an advisory board and yet at the same time we always worked with advisors so we had one of our mentors uh, was a prof of ours at University of Waterloo and he kind of took us under his wing and he would give us some time and one year in our meeting with him he said you know I want to introduce you to somebody that I think could be strategic advisor to your business and you know if you like him he'll probably want to be your accountant too and so really like we brought him and he led he did become our accountant and bill led our strategic planning sessions for many years and so and he's still my accountant today and he's still giving me great advice so it was but that foundationally was built on an advisory relationship that also happened to provide some services to us and so We were never afraid to hire advisors. Like when we went to retail and we sold a product into Walmart that we had made in China, we used lots of different people as in advisory roles for that. We hired somebody who had worked at Sobeys and Walmart and Unilever to come on our team and help us get the product to market and help us get meetings and understand margin and how we were going to get to a profitable business because it was a completely different business model. So we, you know, we had an operational coach. I had, an executive coach so you know all of those fall into that advisory bucket in some capacity so you know it made the it made the why don't we have an advisory board discussion we kept having sort of ironic but I would say we didn't because we hired people for more specifically what we needed and then they would have a season or two with us and then or maybe many years but sometimes you know they would come and go depending on what the needs of the business were and how we needed to work with advisors. And so I would say with my hat on as an advisor, that's really what I tell people is I might come and help you like, My sweet spot is kind of helping people do the puzzle at the highest level. So helping them look at the strategy of the business, helping them prioritize and create a path for how they're going to get from here to where they need to be. And then, you know, I can help hold them accountable or check in or make sure that, you know, things don't need to be kind of reworked because things happen along the way. But you have to do that with the understanding that you may also cease to be useful at some point in time because, because they need something else at that point. And it doesn't mean you won't have an ongoing relationship, but, you know, it could come and go, it could end, but you stay in contact and you help them with other introductions. Um, so to me, I kind of see it as a bit of a flow kind of position. Yeah, absolutely.
3: And staying sort of on that topic of the importance of mentors and advisors for startups, um, Shannon, would you like to jump in as well? Sort of you know how you see the importance of this with startups or any founders?
2: Yeah, I, I'm i happy to. And I think Julie did a really nice job of it because that description of flow, um, being in the position, Yvonne, I'm sure you do this with your clients as well. Our client services team is always working to try and understand where is the company at the moment and what do they need next? What's their next milestone? Because the one thing that can happen is you get comfortable with an advisor. They become maybe more of a a colleague or a comrade, which is great, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're the ones that are pushing you to that next step. And I think that Julie's point around flow is you realize you're mentoring or advising for a reason or a season but you know may not be a lifetime so what's that next contact so i think it's really important to have somebody who is advising you but not to feel like it's a lifelong commitment and that's the only person you're ever going to work with so i think it's really important on on the advisors to find the right fit. And that right fit, in my experience, isn't always who the company tells you would be the right fit, right? Because they may look at our list of advisors on our website and they may say, I'd really like to meet with Julie. Well, I happen to know Julie. Julie knows what her strengths are. She's talked about what her sweet spot is and we might know that that's not in fact what the company needs. They need something a little bit different. So, you know, our job is to kind of make sure that we're finding the right mentors for the right position of the company and what they need to do next. And sometimes that's, you know, you need to challenge people a little bit and we need to challenge our thinking as well. But all up, I, you know, I haven't seen too many people, I can't even think of one, who have ever said, I did it all on my own without anybody's help, right? (laughs) It really is a team effort. Um, And Having those right advisors is about picking your A team.
4: We follow very much you know, similar to Sham. So when a company comes to our portfolio, we actually develop a 30, 60, 90 day plan. And that plan is based on, again, key milestones. And each milestone is assigned to an advisor and entrepreneur and resident. So it's really connecting the right people at the right time along the journey um so that's really again and it's kind of a science like you said shan is people come in thinking they need to go one direction but you're really like you know that's not the, the artery that you need to fix right now there are other things that you need to work on so but it's, it's so critical in fact i think it's the one piece of our organization that is so important and in fact it's the thing that may not make it onto social media platforms because a lot of the work's happening behind the scenes but It's so amazing, too, as I look at, you know, if I take a look at Shan's roster of advisors, our roster of advisors, these are people who've been there, done that, and who want to give back. So they've got that give first mentality. And again, it's this network, and we're all building these regional networks. What's beautiful about kind of why we're here today is we're furthering those networks. COVID has allowed us to really take geography out of it. And and the beautiful thing is, you know, now our companies are going to get to experience Julie through a few of the programs that we're working on. So it's, it's been really, really, really great. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I think that's another really important thing. If I, if I kind of orient the question a little bit to, you know, how do we find the right advisors? Right. Cause I think that's critical. It's critical to all businesses, but I think for um, maybe some of the female entrepreneurs where sometimes they don't ask as much, what they might need right so you have to use a little bit more of a you know an intuition and and listening and questioning them to then make that mentor match but if i orient the conversation slightly and say like what's a really awesome advisor for these companies and we're attempting to make sure that we've got a lot of women who are in advisory roles but, you know, that's not to say we've got a lot of great um, men who are allies and they're really focused on seeing these female founded companies be successful as well. But I would say, it's you know, to pick up on Yvonne's point, it's people who want to give back. I mean, I don't I don't have any advisors who are coming to me because they think this is going to fund their next yacht purchase. You know, it's absolutely people who have skills, experience or a network and they want to help others be successful with those.
4: And that's one of the biggest pieces of building an entrepreneurial community is people that are backing it that have that give first mentality.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I would say it seems like too that one of the really nice things that's happened with COVID is this sort of opening where um, there's a little bit more like, A company may have a primary advisor, but there's this ability to pull from other like subject matter experts or hit quick hit for an hour or a half an hour with somebody who could give some really specific needed advice at that moment. And I think that's been a real opening. And I think there's some real strengths that can come from that.
2: There's one other thing I I think is really cool too is that our advisors, and if I think about the group who are working with our female founders right now, um, they also are really active in learning from each other and also from the client. So I think like this is really kind of neat way that it's, you know, comes full circle sometimes because I see, you know, Julie working with our other team and everybody's exchanging ideas and points and network. Um, It's not just our clients. Like, I think it just, we make each other better by working together this
4: way. I'm curious with Julie, you know, we hear this term of mentor whiplash, right? You go to one, you go to one mentor, and they say one thing. And, you know, when someone used it, they said it as a, as a kind of a, a negative thing. And I said, you know, it's kind of positive away because everyone looks at it differently. So Julie, really just having been the founder and an advisor, what would you say to kind of that mentor whiplash, I guess, if I may say
0: it? You have to be careful. Not making a decision is making a decision, right? So if you get that mentor whiplash to a point where you cannot decide how to move forward, you are still making a decision. And so you do have to be careful. I think I have to be careful with getting too many opinions when I'm trying to make a decision. And, you know, so I kind of over time developed some strategies for making decisions that would put some... Uh, kind of frameworks around it, like I'm going to take 48 hours. I'm going to talk to three people. Here are the questions, five questions. I'm going to ask each of them, and then I'm going to, you know, sum up and look for holes, and then make the decision. Because otherwise, you can, you can, you can dive into the deep well, and often you do that because you're looking for someone to give you the answer you want to hear. So you have to be careful.
3: Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that saying, you don't want too many cooks in the kitchen, or totally um, right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Julie, building on that, sort of you working with some founders, do you want to sort of just speak on that part and how, how you have helped founders in the past and how you've sort of worked with them through that?
0: Yeah, I see lots of founders come my way who are starting uh, like a children's product business which for obvious reasons with my background um, people who want to take a product to retail um, and also there is something super fun about something real right like there is something you know that I really find enjoyment in like actually making something so I love that kind of work Um, and people do find me because they know me for that but you know when it comes to find it but I I still might not be the right advisor for them depending on what it is what problem they're trying to solve at that time and what the need is that they have like if they need specific you know digital marketing advice I'm not their person and and so you know, how do you kind of look for those advisors at the right time? And it can be often a referral network. So, you know, be it within, within the regional innovation centers or people who come to me on their own looking for it. It's really about, I think, leveraging the network that you've worked hard to build over time. And, and I think of all the generous introductions I had made for me along the way as I built my business and I really see it as a, as a circle of, you know, now I'm introducing people on a regular basis to people that I think, you know, can help them or can in fact even introduce them on farther to somebody who has a deeper knowledge.
3: Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I'd love to sort of hear everyone's input on this as well. But you know, any sort of advice for any listeners right now who are sort of looking to build that network? Is there any sort of first steps that they can be taking? And how, how do you think they could go about, you know, building that network and finding that, you know, group of female founders that they can help support them through this?
0: I think the regional innovation centers are a huge step for that. I mean, they're you know, spread out all over the province and it's their mandate to create opportunities for entrepreneurs to join forces and network. So um, you know, it takes creativity in this time because we can't go anywhere to network. So we're virtually networking, but that also creates opportunity because you can network in jurisdictions that would be way too far away for you if there's subject matter experts there, so.
2: And, and I would add just one really simple thing, which is ask. Mm. Like, uh, and and there's, some, there's a study that was done a while ago, and this was more in a corporate setting, but it looked at women and men and mentorship. And what it found is that compared to men, women were very reluctant to ask for a mentor. And when they did, they didn't ask for as senior of a mentor. So, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that's behavior that we probably see. Um, in some ways and shapes in the entrepreneurial space as well. So my very first thing would be, as much as the regional innovation centres are there, ask us, right? Like, come in, ask us what you're looking for, Um, define it, right? That makes it much easier for us to connect it to the right people. And, you know, I, Yvonne, I'm sure you do the same as me, but I would say a big, big chunk of my week is just introducing people to each other and getting a conversation going. So, you know, the, the most simple thing is just ask
4: yeah my advice would be start with your own network right your own network and what tentacles it goes out to and i mean to the introductions uh linkedin is a great tool that i think is so underutilized um, i still see people not on it and i just think of the opportunities it's brought our founders um and again don't be afraid to ask like what's the worst that happens, they don't respond. But this is something that I see too, is people don't know what to ask for. And I think it's important when you are approaching someone who is a very busy person that you make it very specific on the ask, right? Because I know I get asked a lot. And I really try to drill down is what is it because I might not be the right person because everyone thinks I, I have answers to everything sometimes. And I said, No, I'm not the right person, but I'll connect you to the right. person.
2: Yeah, there's, there's also too that, you know, give before you get. So think about what you want to ask for, but then everybody's got something of value to offer. And, you know, I, I've really enjoyed experiences some people of, you know, can I have some, some of your time? I'd like to tap into your network. What can I help you with, right? And even if I don't have the answer to that, I appreciate being asked. And I think it's that idea of, uh, you know, we talked about it just in a recent session with our female founders, deposit, deposit, withdraw right so you know the more you can think about what I like you know, that somebody else, <laughs> they're willing to help you I think
0: it's a really great tip though to for that specific ask and have that really honed and and then that yes the how can I help you because there's only so many coffees that that I can take the time to have even though give is very much a part of what I am about I can't just spend you know a full day a week having coffee with people, and it would be very easy for that to happen. Um, so, you know, the people who stand out because they ask for something specific and they offer a give, I think is, you know, gonna get them to, to a plate, uh, you know, rather than the no, 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 it'll actually get them something.
1: I definitely agree with having a really clear kind of goal or ask when you're networking. Um, it's always great to sit down with yourself and kind of create a strategy and a plan for your network and I think it's sometimes hard to build a network and certainly sometimes it feels even harder when you can't meet people in person at events. Um, But I think my number one rule of networking is always just to go in it um, and just, you know, to try to kind of have fun and be yourself and be personable, that always helped too. Um, And yeah, I think like Shan said and Julie said, like just ask, reach out to your network, see who they know um, and you'll see the spider web effect for sure, and the worst someone can say is no. So don't be afraid to, you know, reach out to that, you know. Well, Kate, you're doing it right because yeah. you you got hired through the network that you
4: created. I did. So, <laughs> so a great example is you wouldn't be in this. You know, we would not have the pleasure of working with you had you not leveraged your network and My gone mind. out there. So uh, a success story right here. <laughs>
3: Oh, definitely. I think those are some really great tips and advice. And, you know, also with advice, we'd sort of touched upon this before about finding that right advisor. Um, do, does anyone sort of have anything they'd like to add with finding that right advisor, especially for business growth, you know, finding, finding the right one, that's going to help with what it is you're looking for. Um, any advice and sort of, you know, how do you, how do you figure that out? And also how do you find that person?
1: I'll jump in quickly. And I can't remember who said it first. I don't know if it was Shan or Julie, but they were saying something about, you know, not every relationship needs to be like a lifelong relationship. Like some things are just, you know, can be quick or one-off or they are shorter relationships. I think that's an important lesson for a lot of young women to learn that, you know, not everything has to be like a lifelong or like years long relationship that sometimes people come into your life for a short period of time to teach you something and move on. So don't be afraid to, you know, end a relationship or end some sort of mentor relationship that's not working for you and always be willing to say to yourself, like, this isn't working for me and really understand why and move on from that relationship and to be able to reflect upon that relationship and what you learned and maybe what was working and what didn't work to better your future relationships.
0: Yeah, it's like that race horses for race courses, right? Like at a certain point, your business is on this one race course and the horses you got are good. But but when the business outgrows that and you're on a whole other like playing field, then you need different horses for that course. And and that's okay. It's normal. It's totally normal. I remember um, like thinking somebody told me to think of it like a revolving door. So people come in and they spend some time with you and then the door has to revolve. If your business is growing and scaling, what you need now and what you need in a year will not be the same thing. So, you know, with employees, do you send, can you send them out the door better than they came in? You know, you can't give them a career path maybe, but you can certainly send them out better than you found them. And so how do you kind of have that mentality with the people who come around the business? Because, you know, you need, you need the people who will challenge you for the next level, always.
3: Absolutely. And I also wanted to bring up, you know, Yvonne, last time you were on the podcast, you had actually talked about a new program that was coming down the pipeline. Um, would you like to sort of tell us more about this? And you know, what, what brought on this specific program to WeTech?
4: Thanks Sarah. Um, So yeah again as we've seen again women entrepreneurs have been affected differently and and we wanted to uh, put out programming to specifically target those pain points which I mentioned earlier and we were so lucky to connect uh, through the power of the network with Kate and we brought her on as a Women Entrepreneurship Coordinator build out um it has a new brand but it really is just leveraging our existing venture success team so our list of advisors our network of advisors uh, to do two things uh one is to host um, meetups so virtual meetups uh, targeted around pain points so we really try to um, align those meetups uh, with the current Uh, pain point Um, so we've done one on networking Uh, the next one we're doing uh, is going to be on mental health right Uh, trying to understand and dealing with mental health because it's a real a real issue and the other side of f5 program is one-on-one advisories we've seen this in a few reports that have come out uh, women need support. They need advisors and experts to help them guide through these changes, and that's where we've leveraged the power of the network, gone out to our existing advisors for WeTech, as well as expanding them um, because again, we wanted to build out a larger um, network of advisors and connecting them to women in tech and women entrepreneurs and in, in non-tech spaces uh, for one-on-one. Uh, and then that kind of sparked into another program, which I think could maybe lead into. Um, what Shan and Holtec and WeTech have worked on through the leadership of of Shan and her team.
2: Sure, if I I can add to that. So in this whole spirit of, you know, broadening networks and helping women grow their business and, you know, more connections and opportunity with WeTech and with the other innovation centers in Southwestern Ontario. So um, ourselves in Halton region, Innovation Factory in Hamilton, uh, Innovate Niagara, Innovation Guelph, Tech Alliance in London. So imagine now we've got Southwestern Ontario and each of our innovation centers are looking at our high potential efficiency and scale sized female founded companies. And we're servicing those companies and giving them an opportunity to present in front of a power panel. And that's what this series is called, this four events that Kate has been doing an amazing job organizing for us. But these at each one of these power panels, five companies from across southwestern Ontario will have an opportunity to present to influential, highly experienced. Um, you know, in some cases, broad business experience, in some cases, very deep sector experienced mentors. So, on the first one coming up in November, Julie's one of our power panel mentors. And we've got these five companies who will have an opportunity to talk about what their current pain point is. And then get advice from these five expert mentors who may say, you know, here's an idea for you, or here's somebody I can introduce you to, or here's a really great resource to help you with that pain point. And, you know, what we're anticipating is that these companies will benefit from those connections they'll get some really great help to deal with that current pain point. And, um, you know, we'll just, you know, sort of bring everybody up and along as we do that. So through the course of it, we'll have, you know, 20 or more companies and uh, 20 or more really amazing mentors connecting through this. And then taking advantage of additional one-on-one advisory support, such as Yvonne was describing earlier to kind of, you know, get that advice, but then really continue to put it into action.
4: It's been such a fun program, Shan, working with you on this, because it's been, um, you know, we put out the, the word of that we were looking for advice, and it was just amazing what our network was able to come back with and we think of some of the companies and the names of these influential and, and specific mentors. It's, you know, it goes back to kind of the theme I think of today is really the power of network, the power of advisory and mentorship.
2: Yeah, and I, and I would also throw in collaboration You know, it's like the amazing things that you can do when you step back from your day to day and think about how could I do this differently? And then, you know, realizing that even if you don't know somebody, you know, somebody who knows somebody. Right. And I think that's kind of where we're getting to now is this amazing group of mentors that we're going to be able to have these companies present to. You know, it's it's pretty fantastic through that network and that collaboration
0: and
4: hiring a great person like Kate, who's been able to really take Um, this big project and make it into tangible, executable things. So um, Kate, you deserve so much. Uh,
2: I won't clap too loud for the interest of this recording, but um, I think it's, it's such a great point. If I can, if I can give Kate another bit of kudos, it's easy to come up with the big ideas, but if you don't have somebody who can kind of anchor it into reality, like they go nowhere wow. and that's what Kate's been able to do for us is well, make sure this happens.
1: Well, thank you. I'm really happy. and really excited for our first power panel to be able to support, you know, all these women entrepreneurs in Southern Ontario. And yeah, it's a great program. I'm really flattered, but thank you. <laughs>
3: Well, I'm, I'm very excited to, you know, see all of this come together and it sounds like an amazing program that's coming up. And, you know, how can people, our female founders sort of take advantage of this program and go to learn more about this?
2: Contact your regional innovation center. That, that's probably the best way. Uh, reach out to WeTech or any of the others that I mentioned, Hall Tech, uh, talk to us. And, uh, you know, if it's not the power panels, then we've got other programming that, um, similar to what Avon described, we've got a couple of different streams that we offer to our female founders. Um, so, you know, we'll help guide you to the right place. And for
4: us, it's it's going to our website. You can do wetech com slash F5. Um, applications are open. So again, if you need to connect to an advisor, um, you can just fill out a form right there. And, uh, and again, keep abreast of uh, all the updates. Social media is a great way to connect with us because I think it's the most timely platform to get, to get all this information out and um, we're pretty active on this platform. So, um, and other than that, feel free to add myself and I'm sure the ladies on this call would say the same is add us, you know, add us on LinkedIn, follow our updates. Um, like I said, leverage uh, leverage the network.
3: Thanks for listening to Made It Happen Podcast, the podcast highlighting female entrepreneurs. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and I'll see you next week.